Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hello, coffee lovers. Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast. I'm your host, Valerian Hrala. In the next three episodes, I'm inviting you to a very special journey. We are going to launch a coffee roasting company. My guest, Ryan O'Rourke, is starting the Ironclad Coffee Roasters in Richmond, Virginia. There's a lot of preparation and work before you launch a coffee roasting company, and Ryan was kind enough to share some of these steps. I decided to divide the interview into three parts. <laughs> yes, my friends, three parts. There's a lot of valuable information Ryan shared, and I do not want you to miss any of it. In this, the first episode, we will talk about the coffee aspects of his venture. Ryan will tell us why did he decide to start a coffee roasting company. He will share what kind of roaster did he choose, and what were the main criteria for selecting that roaster. He will also talk about coffee importers and his coffee portfolio and shares many more thoughts a future coffee business owner should consider. In the second episode, Ryan will talk about how is he going to establish his brand. He will give us a few tips how to select your name and how to get a logo on budget, perhaps even for 5 bucks. We will also talk about my personal obsession and that's web design and social media. With Ryan, we will discuss what kind of social media you can utilize in your business, what kind of website to build, and even what kind of plugins to use for building your web store. This episode will be useful not only for coffee roasters, but any small business trying to succeed in the digital age. In the final part, part 3, Ryan will tell us his experience with raising money with crowdfunding platform like Indiegogo. Ryan raised respectful $6,000 which would help him to start his business. He will give us very useful tips how to start and what mistakes to avoid to have a successful crowdfunding campaign. These three episodes are essential for everyone who is thinking to start a coffee roasting venture or is just interested how does a coffee roasting startup think and what are their challenges. If you like this show, leave us a review on iTunes so I know what you like or not. <laughs> I want to know, I need to know, so please keep them coming. <laughs> Your reviews and good coffee, of course, keeps me going. Thank you so much. Before we start, here is a small message from our sponsor. This show is brought to you by Bootcamp Coffee, online education for coffee roasters and professionals. Subscribe to bootcampcoffee.com today and unlock the quality of your coffee. Disclaimer, I'm co-founder of Bootcamp Coffee, but the show is independent. We are open to any third-party advertisers. Okay, let the show begin. Enjoy. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to my podcast. You're my first guest, by the way, so this will be very special. <laughs> cool. I, yep. I had Willem before, but you know that was just kind of like a test or kind of playing around. But you are right. my first official guest, so welcome. Well, I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> I'm honored too. So, what's your background story? Uh, why did you start to deal with coffee? Well, I have been a coffee consumer, a drinker of coffee, I guess, since early on in my college years. 
and then, you know, just, just kind of naturally learning about coffee little by little. Um, but then in 2005, my parents opened a coffee shop, a cafe and bakery, a specialty coffee shop and bakery. And because they were close by at the time, I was able to learn the professional side of it. I went and helped, uh, helped with things from time to time, actually quite often, as, as often as I could, uh, just because I began enjoying that and seeing the professional side of it and learning more and more about specialty coffee. So that was the real, you know, the big aha moment, the big um, catalyst to, to helping me want to learn more about coffee. And it took me kind of to the next level from just casual coffee consumer to really, really interested in, in the business side of the specialty coffee world. So uh, I, I guess you could say that was the the big moment in my past. Where was this shop? Was it uh, in the United States? That was in the United States, yep. That was in Tennessee, a small town, Mayberry-like town in middle Tennessee is where that was. And um, they, they did a very, very good job with it, um, you know, kind of did everything right, did their research. Because my, my dad is not even really a coffee drinker. My, my mom is. He was more interested in the bakery side of it, but but they wanted to bring in the, the you know, the, the, the fine coffee side of it as well. And so um, at, at that time, I was not much of a resource myself because I just didn't know that much, but um, I kind of learned along with them. So um, yeah, that was, that was Middle Tennessee, um, and really that was the only game in town for for a really nice coffee shop. So what happened then? Did you have to escape to Ireland uh, from the coffee? or? <laughs> yeah, we, we decided to, um, well, actually in between our living in Tennessee and Ireland, we moved to Richmond, Virginia for about five years and really loved that, that place. Um, but then we had an opportunity to uh, pack up and move to Ireland for, for a few reasons, uh, one of which was um, to do some ministry work with a church and really just kind of start a church um, in the west of Ireland. And so that's what uh, we've been doing, part of what we've been doing at least for the last four and a half years. Uh, but now it's, it's time to move on from that. And, um, and so now it's, it's back to Richmond, uh, the place we lived before we came to Ireland. We'll be returning to Richmond in just uh, about you know, a couple months and um, coming back to the place that we, we loved so much. When did you start to be interested in coffee and uh, did you start to roast or do you, did you just drink coffee? Just just drank coffee and learned the finer points of, you know, all the brewing techniques and the importance of, of you know, good coffee to start with. And, you know, from a, from a pretty good roaster, um, yeah, not what I'd call maybe a great roaster. Um, looking back and what I know now, it was a, it was a decent roaster, but, um, but not a great roaster. Um, for what my standards and what my tastes are now, but um, and then just the business side of it as well. But uh, he hired a manager who had some experience, a, a small bit of experience in the specialty coffee world himself, and I was able to actually learn a lot from him, and then just pick up things, you know, self-taught sort of things as the years went on. So do you roast now? I do roast now, and I, I did not roast at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, that was that was you know, <laughs> well advanced of, of where I was at that time, but. I started roasting only about a year and a half ago, um, and it came about really as a necessity. It wasn't even just like a, hey, this is something I want to pick up and try. It was like, I Ireland, um, Ireland has a long way to go, uh, in my opinion, as far as the, the specialty coffee world. It's, it's coming on in, in small steps, um, but it, it's got a long way to go for, 
for specialty coffee. There, there are a few roasters around now. Uh, there's a few really good cafes coming up, but but it's still got a ways to go. So at that time, about two years ago, a year and a half, two years ago, I just realized I couldn't get um, really great specialty coffee the way I wanted it roasted without ordering from the UK at that time, um, and which I had been doing for a little while, but it just got it got a little bit um, impractical. So I just decided to, to look into what was involved with home roasting. And I started out in a popcorn popper, but the ambient temp the ambient the ambient temperature in Ireland in in our house in winter uh, in the, the part of our house that I could use because of ventilation purposes, the ambient temperature was not warm enough, so that was not working for me at all. So after a few attempts on the popcorn popper, uh, I went ahead and ordered a Jenna Cafe. I think that's how you say that. Gene. Some people say Gene Cafe. I think it's actually supposed to be Jenna Cafe, um, but that's that's what I ordered and that's what I've been roasting on since. Been fairly happy with it. I know. Learning more and more about roasting over the past 12 months or so, it has a, a woeful lack of controls as far as what I'm going to be getting into in the professional world, but that's okay. It's been a good teaching tool for me. It's been something good for me to start on, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a good foundation, that, that little machine. So you, you basically learned roasting um, by trial and error, or did you use some resources for that? I, I, I trial and error a bit at first, and it came with... Uh, Came with some instructions from the the company I bought it from, which was my first real little uh, kind of instruction on home roasting. But then after that, I just wasn't really satisfied with that, so I just went looking everywhere and anywhere online for for resources and videos and coffee courses and and all sorts of stuff. So you know, just step by step, baby steps along the way, I just kept learning and learning and learning to the point now where I realize, you know, I've, I've I've long since out, outgrown that roaster because I know what I need to be, to be doing. It's just now that the limits of the, the controls and the the, um, the data collection points are just so limited on that machine that I've, I've really just outgrown that machine. So I'm looking forward to to you know getting rid of that one and getting to the big time professional machines now. And I know that'll be a learning curve as well, of course, but um, but I'm ready for it. Hmm. Speaking of professional machines. The reason why I invited to this show as one of the first guests is because I know you are going to start the coffee company and you are going through processes which many of us who already have coffee roasting companies or, you know, uh, dealing with coffee, we forgot. We simply uh, maybe remember a little bit, but you are into this right now. So, you know, you can tell us what do you have to do in order to start a coffee roasting company? So uh, that's why I want to pick your brain. And uh, once we are speaking about the coffee roast, coffee roasters, uh, tell me more about, uh, so what coffee roaster did you pick and how did you choose it? I elected to go with a U.S. Roasters Corporation, U.S. Roaster Corps, um, 12 kg, um, the, the Millennium model. I, I, was, I had my eye on the Revelation model, which is kind of the the cream of the crop, the Rolls Royce of their roasters, but um, it was it was a bit out of our price range as just a startup. With given everything else that we have to be spending money on, that I really had my eye on that. Um, the the environmentally you know friendly aspect of it, as well as the energy savings, really looks like a great roaster. But this is the you know um, scaled down version of that, and um, I, I chose them after thinking about a lot of different roasting machine companies and, and checking them all out. 
And based on everything that I researched and lots of people that I talked with, um, it sounded like this one was kind of the, for me at least, uh, the best combination of, um, uh, I guess, quality and features and uh, value for money. Uh, there's tons of good, you know, se several at least, several good makers out there for roasting machines. But this was the one that I felt was the best combination of all those factors. What, who were the main contenders for you? Well, uh, Diedrich was there. I, I was thinking of, I wanted something made in America, um, just cause that's, that's something I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about. Not, not to the exclusion. I mean, if, if something is better and is, is competitive in price, I'll, I'll definitely, you know, shop around and consider foreign made machines. And I know of course, Probat and, um, Giesen and all these, these are, these are great machines as well. But uh, I, I did like the fact that it's all made in America. Um, also, I I'd had a chance to talk a lot with Dan, uh, the head man over there at U.S. Roasters in Oklahoma City, and he was just super, super responsive and fired back on emails, you know, almost right away every time. Mm. So that gave that gave me a really good feeling that hey, if if something, in, probably not if something, whenever something does go wrong, because uh, you know, hopefully we'll be using this thing like a workhorse. Uh, whenever something does go wrong, that gives me a good feeling that he'll get right back with me, you know, and send me the part or whatever needs to be done in short order so that I'm not, you know, losing roasting time, basically. So, yeah, I, I guess that was one of the biggest things, actually, customer service. You know, that's something very interesting when it comes to coffee roasters. Uh, I, when I was buying my first uh, prof like, uh, new coffee roaster, and it was in 2012, I had horrible time communicating with roasting companies. I don't know, they just didn't answer the emails. Like, I don't know why, but that's actually yeah. a good thing to hear that, you know, they do do so. Like, yeah. the, the most famous is probably ProBat. I mean, they did not even bother to answer my email. So it's like, you know, that was weird. Exactly. Yeah, I, I ran into a bit of that um, with, with a couple of the companies as well. And things I'd heard good things about, but then, you know, when they don't answer the, the email, um, and we're talking about several days or even weeks or not at all, even one, one company that became, you know, came fairly highly recommended to me, they didn't answer me ever. So I was just like, well, you know, that's, that's an easy decision right there. Let's, let's name that company. I mean, let's just, you know, this, this is, this is a, a podcast where I want to help people to understand how the yeah. business works. So, you know, that just, you know, yeah. Like, okay. That, that company was Ambex in uh -huh. Florida. And uh, I, I was considering them for a few reasons, uh, you know, um, some, some good recommendations from some, fo some folks who are using them, number one. But um, I know they wouldn't be a super high-end roaster, but I guess, you know, price point is pretty good. But I also considered them because I'm from Florida originally, and we have family down there. So we're going to be down there, you know, from time to time. So I could duck in there uh, to their manufacturing or, you know, their, their offices or whatever if I needed to from time to time. So that that was you know some reasons I was considering them, but then when they didn't contact me back at all, you know that that would be a nightmare. I have a feeling because if if they are not even going to answer my emails when I'm trying to buy something from them, well then we know what it's going to be like if something goes wrong and I need a part or they've done something defectively or you know. So that that was a, a no brainer there. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I mean, you know. Naming this company, maybe it helps for them to realize that there are guys who want to buy the you know rosters from them, and you know they just should answer the emails. Yeah, absolutely, it's important, really. 
Did you have a chance to try out that coffee roaster or you picked it just solely based on uh, the features you saw online or whatever documentation you got? Yeah, this is this is kind of the unique situation, predicament, challenging situation that I'm in because I'm here in Ireland mm-hmm. and I've got to be able to, as much as possible at least, kind of hit the ground running when I get back to the U.S. because you know, income and, you know, I got, I got to get, I got to get churning and, and making some money at this business. So I, I didn't have the luxury. We're, we're back, we're going to be back in the U S in about a month and a half, two months. And I don't have the luxury to just sit around when I get back there and just try to try as many of these roasters as possible. And then wait another six to eight weeks for the, the roasting company to make the roaster. I would, I would just be, you know, depleting our savings and mm-hmm. that, that would have been basically impossible. So I had to do everything I could here in Ireland from a distance to just do my homework, ask as many people as possible, roasting on all these machines and, you know, getting a feel for these companies through emails and, and these sorts of things. Um, and I, I feel really, really good that we've made the right decision going with Dan and the guys at U.S. Roaster in Oklahoma City. So, um, so- as good as you can without actually trying it out, but i I. I know just from talking to people, this is this is going to be good. Uh, that's a great point there. So you asked for references, is that correct? Tons of references. Uh-huh. Yes, I talked to I talked to quite a few people who are using various versions and models of their machines, and no one had anything but great things to say about them. You know, and everywhere I looked, even on message boards, uh, people who are making comments and talking about their machines, just you know, nearly one hundred percent singing their praises. So. Um, Without it being an ideal situation of being able to have the time to try all these roasters out, that would obviously be ideal, but I don't have that luxury in my situation, so I had to do it a bit blindly and just trust the overwhelming evidence that these guys know what they're doing. No, you know, I think most of the people, most of the roasters do not have a chance to try out uh, the roasters because they just, it's not like you have a roaster everywhere. And even if you have, uh, you have to kind of trust that the, guy lets you in right because he he or she is going to be your competitor so maybe they don't want to share their uh, knowledge about those rosters you know we have people like that in the industry you know so it's i think the best thing is probably to ask for those references and if you are lucky you go to a fair and you know on a fair i don't even think that you can really try them out because i think you know if you go to sca event those rosters are there but they cannot use them otherwise they smoke up (laughs) that's right yeah Yeah. (laughs) the place Yeah. yeah Uh, so yeah, references. We, I did the same, by the way. We we when we start restarted in 2012, we started with Turkish roasters simply because of the budget. That was the only reason, and you know, it's a good starter roaster, not great, but good. And then we asked for references, and we got this. You know, the, if I compare the references, what we got from those guys, like you know, their opinions about these roasters, and I. Um, can compare them to my opinion today, five years later, I can say that, yeah, it's, uh, sorry, three years later, I can say that, yeah, they were right. You know, they are not great roasters, but they are very good starting roasters. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, th- I think if you, if you ask enough people, you know, you're going to get a pretty accurate assessment of, of what a roaster is like. I mean, if you ask one or two, it's probably not enough. But if you ask 15, 20, 25 people, that's, you know, your sample size is, you're going to get a good idea of what the roaster's like. So what size roaster did you choose? I chose the 12 kilogram. Mm. Uh, I think I was given given wise counsel on that because, you know, 
larger than that, yeah, probably not going to be at that capacity for a little while. Although, if we are, that's a good problem. Okay, if we grow out of that quickly, that's a good problem to have. But then, of course, and it, this made total sense to me. Of course, um, getting something that's too small that you're going to outgrow, you know, almost certainly, like a five kg or something like that, even. Um, you're probably, if you're doing things the right way, you're going to outgrow that really quickly. And I heard that time and time and time again, and that, you know, makes a lot of sense to me. So 12, 12 kind of seemed like the sweet spot for me. So that was, um, that was the, the model we went with the 12 kilogram millennium roast, uh, roaster from us roaster court. That's interesting this is a, uh, that you say that because I'm just writing article about how to select a coffee roaster for your business. And obviously, you know, I'm not a professional in this, so I kind of discuss this with uh, other guys. What what is their opinion? And time to time, I get these uh, guys who are thinking to start roasting, and they are looking into one kilo roasters. Mm. And I always say that's that's a suicide. You know, that's one kilo roaster will cost you a lot of money, and it will not give you any normal production but they go like oh yeah but we want to do you know freshly roasted coffee i said yes but don't you want to also do business because i think if you are serious about your business to sell 12 kilos of coffee it should not be a big deal right you don't have to roast every hour of the week it's okay if you roast one day a week or even less but you have to sell your coffee right so I don't know. I, I, I find that, you know, there's a lot of people, guys, there are a lot of guys there who want these one kilo roasters. And I think that's just a suicide. And the price difference between one kilo roaster and a five kilo, which is probably the smallest I would recommend for a business, is very small. It's like 2000 bucks. So, yeah, that's what I was running into as well. I mean, even like even a sample roaster, you know, what, what one of those costs you like versus the, you know, what a, what a 12 kilogram roaster is, it's it's. It's huge. I mean, the, it, to me, it just didn't make any sense to go any smaller than like a 10 kg. But um, U.S. Roaster Court, that their their size at that at that level was a 12 kg. So I thought that was that was really good. Um, and I think I was also considering the San Franciscan, which is a great reputation as well. Uh, Bill from from San Franciscan did a really great job of communicating with me as well. One of the main considerations there for me, though, was that. It automatically comes with an afterburner, which I don't need yet mm -hmm. in in Virginia, in Richmond, um, and that was, of course, a huge cost add-on as well as huge gas usage and utility investment as well. So um, I'm hoping, though, within a, within a few years, um, we will able be able to, to upgrade to like an 18 kg with the Revelation model that U.S. Roasters makes, where it's just so efficient and so environment environmentally friendly. That's what we're hoping that we've outgrown the 12 kg in just a few years and step up to that um, revelation model next. Sounds great. I think it was a smart choice. Yeah. Uh, can you tell the price? Is that uh, official or? Yeah, um, we paid. Now we, we added on a few a few things. Okay, so I think the base price was around twenty five thousand for that, um, but we added on few things a couple cosmetic things but then a few performance you know things as well so that brought us in right around right in at 30,000 for it great thank you for this input i mean uh, i have i hope this will help uh, for many beginners to uh, kind of pick their rosters yeah I, I think that you did a smart choice uh, you uh, made your research i love the fact that you uh, are loyal to your country and kind of went local that's always a plus because you actually hope that 
uh, people will, you know, choose your coffee, right? So uh, yeah, exactly. I'm so. I'm I'm kind of kind of passionate about the, those sorts of things, going local. So that's that was about as local I think as I could have gone on the roaster, minus the one in Florida, although that was similarly local to, to U.S. roasters. But since they didn't respond to my emails, that was a easy choice. Cool. So let's talk about uh, coffee importers. Um, mm-hmm. So did you start already negotiating with them? Not too much negotiation so far. Um, nothing too detailed. Um, simply because we're at least two to two and a half months at least uh, away from firing up the roaster and starting roasting. So it's a bit far out to, to start with that, I think, from what I've been told by them so far. But I have gotten price lists of where they are now and got an idea of the kind of things they all have you know, on offer on a rotating basis. And so I've checked out quite a few of those. Uh, and by the way, thanks for your, your list of listing all the coffee importers in the U.S. That was very helpful, actually. Oh, thanks. By the way, it's a list of the world importers. So, Oh, um, it's on the world. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you can find Europeans there, too. So, yeah, you know, so I guess I was, are... I, was, I was focusing on the, the U.S. ones, obviously. So Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so so that that list was helpful for me in that in that way, and so ones I'm I'm really looking at the most at the moment are uh, Cafe Imports, mm-hmm. uh, Royal Royal, um, as well as Mercanta. Um, I'm looking at a little bit at the Bal- Balzac Brothers in South Carolina, um, and then also is it Coffee Shrub is the is the oh. name of the website? Yeah, the the smaller kind of micro lots and these sorts of things. Their prices are a bit higher because of some of those things, but well, they've sure got some interesting offerings there. So I'm, I'm keeping an eye on those guys. Coffee Shrub is a, a, a wholesale for Sweet Marias. I don't know if you know Sweet Marias. Uh, yeah, yeah. I kind of I kind of figured there was something something like that. Yeah, I, I got some, uh, well, I get a lot of coffee from Sweet Marias and I got some lot. Once I got a lot from Coffee Shrub because I needed more coffee and yeah, it was awesome. It was very, very nice. I got yeah, the they have some... Cochere, yeah. Yeah, really, really interesting um, coffees that at any given time there. And then also, I watched your um, your Periscope broadcast the other day with uh, ninety plus. I'd never heard of those guys, um, but that's that's a really interesting thing they're doing there. And of course, high dollar stuff. But um, I just got the price list. <laughs> it's even yeah. more expensive than I thought. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's innovative stuff. I can tell they're doing there, so that that's cool. But you know what what we're kind of I you know I think our, our strategy is going to be if we start off with all super super high dollar stuff uh, to begin with I think we're gonna maybe scare some people away so my strategy at least and I'm sure this is not groundbreaking I'm sure I'm not the first one who's thought about this is to kind of offer a range at first at least with some more budget items nothing junky nothing you know mm-hmm. nothing less than you know nice. Um, so, but some, some, some lower end items and lower end coffees and then some moderately priced coffees. And then, you know, maybe at any given time, one or two, you know, nicer high end, maybe not 90 plus high end at first, but it'd be nice to eventually work up to having that, you know, one coffee from like a 90 plus really, really super duper high end stuff at any given time for those who are so disposed to, to spend a lot more on their coffee. Well, this uh, brings me to another question: Is your business like uh, what is your business model? What kind of coffees do you want to offer? And if you can give us examples, because you know, for somebody, the lower end, higher end means something else than for you. So, can you just tell us example? What do you plan to sell? What kind of price range you plan to do? 
Yeah, well, I, I think we're gonna go with the we're gonna go with the, the twelve ounce or three hundred and forty gram uh, bags of coffee. I think that that kind of seems like the standard these days, um, and I figured we'd we'd fall in line with that. Um, I, know, I know some people still sell the sixteen ounce, the full pound bags of coffee, and that's that's good. Um, but it seems like you know a lot of our competitors, most of our competitors, that is, are going with the twelve ounce bag. So I figured we may may as well fall in line with that. Um, but you know, I think um, as far as like a budget item, things like uh, your basic, your basic uh, Costa Rica terrazus and um, Ethiopia harars and thing, you know, things that are are nothing that's too terribly exotic, something that's easily enough gotten and is not a super super high dollar amount uh, for those coffees. And then you know, in the middle, I guess I've, I've not really thought about too much about what what would be moderate, but um, uh, other, I, I really love African coffees would be mm -hmm. my top, top coffees just because, and I actually prefer, I do prefer naturally processed coffees. Uh, I just, when I, when I started drinking coffee and when my parents first had that shop, uh, they would offer, you know, Sumatras, they would offer, you know, Guatemala's, they would offer Kenya's, Ethiopia's. And my palate was so unrefined and I don't want to sound snobby here either because I, I always try to walk the line between <laughs> between coffee snob and you know total total bumpkin as far as coffees go. It's it can be a fine it can be a fine line, and I don't want to I don't want to be either. You know, so um, I want to find a happy medium. But but um, my, my my palate at that time was so unrefined, so uneducated, um, just really really bland that all I wanted were the very kind of plain Jane Sumatras with. Very, you know, no acidity because my, my palate was not trained. When I tried the Kenyans and Ethiopias, it just, I just, just repelled me way too much for my for my palate at that time. But over the years, over the last ten years, eight to ten years, I now I can't stand the Sumatras. They're just they're just too boring for me. Uh, and no offense to anyone that likes those. That's if that's what you like. That's what you like. But um, for me now, it's all. It's just I want interesting. I want you know. Pizzazz! I want, I want acidity. I want fruitiness. I want all these crazy flavors in my coffee. And the more I get of it, the more interesting it is, the better for me. So that's where I am now. So I, I really want to focus a lot on naturally processed stuff and things that have a really unique flavor profile. Um, yeah, it's interesting that you say that because it was uh, kind of my story. I always say that I restarted my company in 2012. And it's true because I actually started to roast in 2002. I came back from um, from a diplomatic mission in Bosnia Herzegovina and Kosovo, and I started to do exactly what you said. Uh, it was a Sumatra dark roast, low acidity, just yep. you know, basically having chocolate in your cup. Nothing. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, it has to be have a coffee flavor. That's all what what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, smoke, so, smoke, smoky chocolate. Yeah, that's, exactly, that's... <laughs> exactly. So in 2012, what happened? is uh, well, it was actually in 2011. I moved here into California in 2010, and I was invited by uh, a company called called Equator Coffee, coffee coffees and teas, and uh, they had a public cupping. So I came there, and I was tasting their coffees, and they had one which was really weird. It was like, what the heck is this? You know, it's like it mm. tastes like strawberries, but it's, you know, at this time I could not named that is strawberries. I was just like, this is weird. This is seriously weird. And I pointed out and said, this is a defect. And a guy who was doing the cupping 
he was like, no, this is actually one of the most expensive coffees we have. And it was Ethiopian Akise from 90 plus. Mm. So I, <laughs> I was like, nice. mm. so, and I have a guy who likes to experiment. And I was like, let, let me have an open mind with this. So I started to buy coffees from Sweet Marias and I started to experiment with the naturals. I was like, this is a new coffee world and I love it. I want to do this. So that's why we basically always say that we restarted in 2012 because we started to the light rows. We started to look for unique lots and we kind of rebranded, you know, we just decided we tossed away the dark rows. We'd never do that again. Yeah, exactly. That's, and that's, that's all I wanted was, was dark roasts. And I had the whole, the, the lexicon of, you know, oh, the, the bolds, you know, this sort of thing. And that, that word bold, I thought, you know, that was like the, the dark roast that was a, you know, equated with bold and, um, and, you know, star, you know, Starbucks, that was, I was, I was all about Starbucks at first too. And then, um, you know, I just, this, um, I, I wanted to give a, a shout out too to, to a company from the UK. I mentioned that, um, that, uh, I, I, when I moved to Ireland, I couldn't really find much within Ireland, but I went to the UK, uh, at least went to UK websites and found, uh, I've, great roaster and you you probably know um the name of the roasters has been oh yeah in the UK. Of course. Yeah. yeah yeah and I, I came across them and i signed up to his uh steven's uh subscription program and that really and this was only this was three years ago only three and a half years ago so um i've, I've learned so much in just the last three and a half years and his rotating selections through the through the in my mug subscription program that he runs that's where I just began, like like you were talking about there with that Ethiopian you tried, and then we're experimenting. He was my vehicle. He was my what what provided me uh, the ability to just try all these different coffees from all these different places and start tasting through his descriptions of the coffees, and then tasting it myself. Uh, that's that's where it really started to to click for me, and I my palate just you know went from plain Jane smoked chocolate, you know, to to now just all these different crazy flavors and he calls the naturally processed coffees he calls them funky you know which i think is a good word so i like i like the funky stuff and thanks to thanks to him now thanks to steven it has been he's been a uh maybe without him even knowing it he's been a huge mentor for me in in wanting to do this so oh that's that's good to hear i mean it's funny but for me the uh, most serious competitors in uh, slovakia uh, for my business in slovakia are actually has been and barn which which is a company in, in berlin <laughs> so yeah yeah so it's there's it's, actually there's a cafe in in here in galway where i live in in ireland now uh brand new cafe they just started serving barn and i've not tried that yet but they also serve coffee collective which i'm real impressed with but i've not had the barn yet mm. yeah barn, barn are very big in in europe and uh they came out of nowhere i i don't think they were roasting when we were roasting well mm. well anyhow they do it well they deserve the, uh, all the credit, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, back to your business. Um, a lot, like a lot of companies start just because they love to roast and they decide that they buy the one kilo roaster, which we already agree that's a mistake or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, do you, how do you do it? Uh, do you have a business plan or do you just you know improvise? Yeah, I do. We, we put together a fairly substantial business plan. Um, going into all this with some help from from some folks that I know that are in business not not coffee business specifically but but are successful businessmen in, in other um, arenas 
So uh, we, we have that business plan, but <laughs> you know whether or not how, how closely it sticks, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume that as we get going, the business plan, at least huge portions of it will fly right out the window because you know I, I can just anticipate things. You just, you just don't know how things are going to happen. You try to plan for these things. I think we've done a good job with that, but it'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see in about two, three months. Yeah, that would be my question when we have this podcast next time, because we, of course we have to check how did you do, but you know, uh, it would be interesting to see how close you could get to your business plan, uh, because many times you have a business plan, but you just don't keep up with that, right? Yeah, that that will be very interesting. And there was a couple guys in particular that I talked with online who kind of, not he didn't give me a copy of his business plan but he gave me a copy of his um his projections just financial projections because i i mean like and that's probably the most uncertain part of the whole thing is the business uh of the business plan is the financial projections he gave me a a good idea of what his financial projections were and by the time he had started and um you know it it they, they were bigger than i thought and I, i you know when i laid out my own financial projections they were quite meager so his projections, as well as some other folks that had just started their roasting businesses, the numbers they were giving me were, were really surprising. Um, so I think I maybe wasn't, you know, undershooting a little bit and maybe being a bit too pessimistic. So, um, so yeah, we've, we've got some numbers we want to try to hit, whether or not we hit them, maybe even exceed them. We'll see. Uh, we really just want to hit the ground running and hit as many different possible revenue streams as possible, you know, as, as, as we can. Um, of course, get you know got the the web the web shop up the web store trying to sell coffee retail trying to get as many uh, wholesale accounts as possible, but then also see Richmond uh, in our part of the country where we will be has tons of really really great farmers markets and local markets so we want to try to get into as many of those as possible because someone told me that that was a huge part of their first year sales was actually just going to markets in person with bags of coffee and selling them that way. And that also helps you to get, you know, get the word out that you're in town, new business and, uh, drum up some customers that way. I totally agree. This changed our life by the way in Slovakia. So we have, because I'm a nerd, right? A computer nerd. So I had my <laughs> website on and it was all fancy and we did all fancy social media, but I think people have to experience your coffee. Otherwise they will not trust it. So I think the farmers markets or any kind of festivals or whatever you have, those are great way how you introduce yourself. And as a back end, you have your website where you can, you know, when people can buy it, that's really cool. Or a store. I don't know if you, are you going to have a store or a cafe or is it just a roasting? Just, that's, that's one of the first questions everyone has for me, all my friends. Cause every time I talk to them about this, this coffee business I'm starting for most of them, a coffee roastery, a standalone coffee roastery uh, without a cafe attached is they didn't know such a thing existed, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I always have to correct them and say, no, no, no cafe at first, at least. Now, if in three or four or five years or however many years, it makes sense to open a cafe and the roastery is done very well and the brand can be furthered and enhanced by adding a cafe, well, then fine. You know, we'll, we'll look at doing that. I'm not opposed to that. Um, but if that never comes to that, that's okay, too. We'll just take it as it comes. I was thinking the same as you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are a lot of advantages for a cafe, like one is that you can present your product exactly the same way as you envision. Yes. So that's a big thing because many times I experienced it here. Like, for example, I really liked Equator uh, coffees and teas and I went out and they were serving it in some cafe and I got really bad coffee. 
and I knew it's not in the coffee, it was in the preparation. Mm. And it's the same with, you know, with us. So we try to kind of train our uh, wholesale customers, but you never know what you get, you know, and they, they baristas are always changing. So, you know, the quality control is not there for us. So having your own cafe would be great because we can present it exactly how we want to. And second, if you do the math, you realize that in drinks, you get giant profits. Exactly. So that, you know, the roasting is okay business, but, uh, if you roast your own beans and then you sell them and sell your drinks like espressos, lattes, you know, whatever, it's 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 a great profit. So uh, we are actually looking into options how to start our own coffee cafe, and it's very expensive, obviously, because once you invest in your roaster, <laughs> that yeah. that's that's a big budget, and suddenly you go like, oh gosh, I need really need a cafe now, and that's another big budget. Basically, there are two yeah. different businesses, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's that's the the money thing is the main. The main issue, of course, starting that up, but um, but hopefully, um, if the if the roastery succeeds, we'll be in a position to maybe attract some investors. And um, and my my dad's been very helpful with with everything and supportive, and even he's he's invested a lot into our business as well. Um, and his expertise with the cafe side of it, should that come about, that will be very handy to have. So you know, it's it would I think if we get to the point where we can do the cafe and it makes sense to do, that will be a very good sign of, of where we're at. Okay, so talking more about your business plan, um, did you research your competition? Uh, do you know who they are? I did, yes. And there's only a, a small handful of specialty coffee roasters in Richmond, and they're good at what they do. I'm, I'm a fan of, of all of them, at least the ones that I've tried, which is most of them. Um, but the thing about Richmond is it's Richmond over the last decade or so has become one of the premier foodie, gourmet foodie cities in the country. It's just going crazy right now. Uh, and one thing that has not yet kept up, as far as I'm concerned, my, my assessment of it, is coffee. Uh, it's, lag, it's lagged behind the rest of beverage, the beverage industry and the restaurant industry. Coffee, especially coffee, is lag, actually lagged behind a little bit. And so I think this is a really good time to be getting in uh, to, to coffee roasting and to the coffee business in Richmond, Virginia. Well, anywhere in the world, I would say, because the coffee is really hot everywhere. Yeah, yeah, anywhere, of course, yeah. But um, see, we we had a we had a choice um, of pretty much anywhere in the country to go uh, when, when we decided, you know, we we're going to move back. Mm -hmm. uh, realized we had to move back, and um, we looked at a lot of places, but Richmond was just Richmond was it for a lot of reasons, not least of which was. The, the strategic portion of it, uh, being such a food-loving, beverage-loving city now, uh, and relatively few roasters to, to service that that need, that desire. Um, I think Richmond is is primed for it. Mm -hmm. So, how would you differentiate your product from, uh, let's say, what is it? The biggest one is probably the lamp, lamp lighter there, right? Lamp, yeah, lamp lighters, very very good. Fan of their work. I'm I'm a fan of Blanchard's as well. It's mm -hmm. A couple others as well, but those I think those two probably are the, the leaders in Richmond, and they they, they do a very good job. Um, Lamplighter, um, great great stuff. Uh, they're they're a cafe of course as well, serve food and all this, so they kind of got you know maybe a bit different a different approach to it. Uh, Blanchard's is just roast roasting only, uh, and so no no cafe. Um, so. 
I, I think I think what I want to do to to differentiate ourselves a little bit is really focus on the education side of it, the tasting side of it. The And I know they do that as well, especially Blanchard's. It's not like they don't do this. Mm-hmm. But I want to put a huge emphasis on teaching and workshops and creating like a, a community of just like like you are and I am nerds, you know. <laughs> I want to I want to train and educate nerds and do that a lot. Um so I think maybe that that'll help set us off a little bit um from some of the others. That's the I think that's the most fun part of the uh of the coffee roasting business is when you talk to your customers about your passion. And it's a good excuse, you know, to talk about your passion when you go like, oh, I'm going to make a training for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think that's a, that's a, that's a good strategy. And uh, I, you know, when we go back to has been one of the things which I really liked on his videos, he makes these videos. What's in my cup? Yeah, and he kind in of mug. In mug. Yes. So it's they're kind of uh, kind of cool how, introducing the, his own coffees to the to the customers. I think that's a great job, you know, as a he's yeah, he is. He is great, uh, and and what I like about him, what I like about Stephen Layton, and, and this is this is kind of who I want to model myself after in terms of walking that fine line I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. um, between too snobby <laughs> and like turning people off that aren't as nerdy as we are before we have the chance to educate them, and then just you know being a total uh, I, I sometimes call it like a reverse snob, like you just kick against the the idea that coffee is a fine thing and it is a, something that needs to be educated and talked about. Um, so there's the two extremes, snobbery and reverse snobbery. But Stephen does a tremendous job of, I mean, he, he knows his stuff. You can tell he knows his stuff. He educates his customers about the stuff, but he doesn't take himself so, so seriously. He has fun with it. He jokes around. He's silly. Uh, he's sillier than he I am. He dresses in red, right? <laughs> <laughs> he dresses all in red. He's he's naturally sillier than I am. I can tell you that. But but he he I, I can have fun with it. I think. And so I, I want to kind of make it a blend of of um, of of serious, you know, nerdy nerdiness, uh, but also having fun with it too. I think he does a great job with that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's always fun uh, to see him and you know to watch his videos and just you know. And one thing which he does differently than, let's say, us is that he, he has much lower prices than any other um, specialty coffee roaster in Europe, I would say. Mm. And, you know, we, we chosen, let's say, to be snobs in Slovakia and simply not because we are such, you know, such jerks or snobs or crazy <laughs> people, but simply yeah. because we needed to differentiate ourselves very clearly from anything yeah. what existed in Slovakia. It was, it was basically marketing driven, you know, and I, yeah. and I admit it. I always admit it. I always admit it on my Slovak podcast and people who know us, they, you know, they uh, say, oh, OK, now we see that. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I've I've. I, get, I don't get a sense that you guys are overly snob. I'm talking like the ones who are really snobbish, like <laughs> the ones who basically look down their noses at folks and, uh, you know, and, and just really turn people off. Um, there's a temptation. There's, there's a side of me that, that, could, that, that, that could happen if, if I'm not careful, but I, I need to keep that in check and keep a balance. I think just kind of like somebody like Steven does. Yeah, I agree. That would be, that's a, that, I think that's a good strategy. Yeah. I'll be your customer. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> you already convinced me. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think? Ryan gave us so much valuable information, and this is only the start. In the next episode, we'll tackle the branding, marketing, and the digital aspects of starting a coffee roasting company. 
take your websites, online marketing, and social media very seriously. They can make a big difference in your sales. So do not miss the next episode. I'm also looking forward for your honest reviews on iTunes. I can't wait to read them. If you want to discuss this episode, join our closed Facebook group, coffeeis.me. I hand select each member so we can have a clean, friendly, and very useful group. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye.